welcome to the Raptor Show on Sportsnet. I'm your host, William Liu. Um, this is the post-game reaction podcast to Canada uh, just laying the smackdown against France. I mean, it was a close game at halftime. It was three points at halftime. Canada was up 43-40. to 40. Canada ends up winning the game 95-65. to 65. Canada just beat France by 30. Like, and, and to put this into context, like, France was second in the last Olympics. They were third in the last World Cup. And they were second in the last Eurobasket. So this is a very good team. Obviously, we anyone who has watched enough international basketball knows what France is about. One of the best teams in the world outside of, obviously, Team USA, which is on a level of their own. And even Team USA, they pushed them hard, right? Last time they met uh, in the Olympics. So, I mean, for Canada to have done this, like, I, like, I was always going to do a react pod to this game. This was always the mo- most important one in the group play. With all due respect to, um, you know, the rest of the competition just currently right now, this is the game that Canada need to get. Both Canada and France needed this game. And I was expecting what I saw in the first half, really physical, um, you know, innovative defenses kind of going both ways. Um, neither team really getting the edge on the other kind of a, you know, um, a run here for France, a run here for Canada, but quality on both sides. Rudy Gobert being a problem. Canada having a couple of counters, but, you know, needing to find ways to sort of cope with France. Evan Fournier ends up just thoroughly outplaying Shea in the first half, which I was I, w- I mean, I wasn't expecting that. I don't think anyone's expecting that. But having said that, though, Evan Fournier is a, is a very good player in the international basketball. He had like 19 points at halftime. Meanwhile, Shea didn't have, I think I think he might have gone like 0 for 5 or maybe 0 for 4 in the first quarter. But just he played the first eight minutes of the 10-minute quarter in the first quarter and just like couldn't get anything to drop. And he w- he looked frustrated. You know, Jordy had a quick talk with him as he subbed him out in the first quarter. Even when he came back into the second quarter, he had like just... He was just taking uncharacteristic shots. He wasn't getting to his spots. And I'll get into reasons why in a, in a little bit, I think. But, um, yeah, at, at, at halftime, at least, it was kind of felt like we're a little bit fortunate to be up three going to halftime. It's going to be a tough battle. Uh, and then the second half was just like it, they just destroyed him. They, like, absolutely destroyed France. The third quarter point differential was 25 to 8 in favor of Canada. What is this Raptors Bucks in 2019? Like, and then 27 17 in the fourth quarter as well. And um, yeah, I mean, just 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 amazing, really. And Canada's offense really turning around. I wouldn't even say Canada really shot the lights out. I mean, obviously, second half, they're able to get the three ball to go. But I think for me, what was impressive was Canada's effort on the offensive glass. 15 offensive rebounds. And there were the kinds where it like was demoralizing France, especially as the game was slipping away from them in the second half. Like there was possessions like Lou Dor will win like two tap outs on the same play and then get a three to drop for somebody else. Or like Dylan Brooks would jump over three French defenders, tip it out, and then Canada get another shot. Like it, it, it was just that over and over again. Dwight Powell, someone misses a three for Canada. It's open, but Dwight Powell sneaks underneath the basket and gets a putback dunk. Like Shea was getting involved in the offensive glass. Shea was awesome on the rebounding front. I mean, he's been really good on that front throughout the tournament, but like 13 rebounds for Shea in 27 minutes, right? You know, and so... I thought their effort was there. And then I think, obviously, the big thing for the second half was that Shea got going. And and listen, Shea, I think, you know, even watching the exhibition games, it took him some time to adjust to uh, the schemes. It took time for him to adjust to just the physicality and, and just even the way that, um, you know, international teams 
um, are, are sort of guarding him. I mean, look, it's nothing that he hasn't necessarily seen in the NBA, but it is different. It, the court is smaller. It, it just feels like there's less space for him to play his one-on-one game. But I, I thought that, like, look, credit to France, at least in the first half, because they started the game essentially in a zone the whole time. They had Rudy consistently at the basket, which is not too much of a surprise, but, you know, he just wasn't really moving up there at all. Uh, and then they just kind of zoned. And so anytime Shea drove, especially in the middle of the floor, and maybe Canada wasn't necessarily using the right angles to get the screens, to get him the matchups or whatever, but he just wasn't able to, you know, get anywhere inside the paint. And even the times that he did, he had to rush it, he had to pivot, he had to, you know, turn. And and so some of those shots kind of, you know, were rimming out for him. Little makerable shots for Shea, but, you know, even those weren't really open for him. And so I, I thought just France starting out in that zone really stymied um, Canada's offense. Canada was... What, they had 14 points in the first quarter, right? Which is kind of wild when you think about because, you know, they end up with 95 points and 95 points in 40 minutes. That I mean, like that is that is a hyper efficient game. But on top of the fact that they only had 14 in the first quarter and I thought Shea really struggled to get, get his offense off again, like that, that's that's what France should be good at. Right. In, in, in that zone coverage. Um, and of course, against any zone, number one, you need really good screening to get your angles to get downhill to free yourself to, to find some space. To get, uh, and I thought second half Canada did a much better job of getting Shea into the positions on the floor where he can really do his damage. But I also thought that for Canada, the other thing against the zone is that they just need to hit threes. And in the first half, neither team could hit threes. Um, I think both teams were shooting around maybe the high 20s in terms of threes. Canada had like four threes made, maybe three threes, and two of them were by Nikhil. Uh, and then France was also breaking on threes. But like, it felt very much like Canada, if they were going to lose in this game, it would come down to something like that where they can't get the three to drop and then Shea, there's less and less space for Shea to operate and he's kind of squeezed out. And that's not what happened. In, in, in fact, the second half, Canada obviously turned it around. Offensively, they were excellent. Um, I thought, yeah, Shea just got to his spots a lot better in the, you know, in the second half. Uh, you know, one of the, you know, big plays for him was just the first one where Shea came out came off the high screen, got a step into the lane. France had to collapse, and then Shea made a really good kickout pass to Dylan Brooks, who knocked it down. Dylan Brooks, by the way, who was excellent in this game. Uh, I've loved his energy, but we'll get to him in a second. Um, you know, just just even that, where it was like, you know what? Shea actually got into the paint for some desperate rotations rather than defense is sort of forcing him to turn instead, and and that got the, the, the ball rolling. Then Shea started making shots. He got his mid-range jumper to go. Short mid-range in the paint. Like, he just loves that shot. Has such great touch on that shot. Uh, then drove all the way to the basket. Then got up. Then he had, then he started getting really hot. He had, like, he had, like, a post-up where he, like, was posting up Nano DiColo. Shout-out Raptors legend Nano DiColo. Still remember that DiColo for Austin Day trade from back in the day. But, like, Nano DiColo is, like, trying to guard Shea. And uh, Shea's posting him up on the, uh, on the baseline. And... Shea spins baseline, gets the does the up fake, draws the bump from Dakola, which I would say in the NBA that's almost always a foul, um, but it's not called. Instead, Shea shoots it anyway because he's already committed to the move. He shoots it through the bump, doesn't get the and one call, but you know, he's able to get the shot to drop. Like that's how much of a zone he was in. Then he took like a thirty foot three where France was really scrambling. They were missing three, so they were getting really really tight as the game was slipping away from them. That three for Shea, which was, I mean, it wasn't even that deep of a three. It's like probably like a regular NBA three or maybe even like one or two steps behind the NBA line. But that looks super deep when it was compared to the FIBA line. And Shea was able to knock down that three. That gave Canada a 15-point lead. After that, Kelly Olenek 
a pip, pick and pop, knock down a three. That gave Canada an 18 point lead. And I mean, like, listen, I, I'm not saying that like um, France just rolled over from that point, but you started to see them start to break. And that's where Canada was able to just like turn it from, yes, we're playing really good basketball. Yes, Shea's going, going really well. Yes, we're doing a great job defensively as well, but we are going to break you. And I thought that that spirit was broken by plays like Dylan Brooks, where, you know, Canada missed a, a shot finally during that stretch. But Dylan Brooks runs in, wins the tap over three French defenders. The ball comes back out. Canada misses another three, but Shea did a really good job driving and kicking to Nikhil in the corner. Great wide open look in the corner. Nikhil doesn't make it. It doesn't matter. France gets out on the fast break because you have a you know missed three long rebound. They, they push. And Dylan Brooks is the one who makes the all-out effort to get all the way back. Two hands jumping across, completely giving every ounce of energy. Two hands for the closeout. I mean, it wasn't a great shooter anyway, but just that amount of effort to do that forced a miss from France. Another mystery. I think it probably just weighs on their mind. And then coming back down, the next possession after that on offense for Canada, Dylan Brooks gets the ball in like a short roll situation where he's got a small, I think he's got a guard against him. And Dylan Brooks drives, takes the bump from the defender. And, and not even takes the bump. I would say Dylan also initiates the bump, but bumps the defender, literally muscles him out of the way, and then does a finger roll for an and one. And I was just so happy for Dylan Brooks in that moment because like, you know, he really has um, over the course of the exhibition games. And now, especially in this game, really cut out a lot of the antics. Like there are still moments, right? There, there was the little, you know, back and forth with Dennis Schroeder. But honestly, if we're being honest about it, like Dennis Schroeder has been in his fair share of mix-ups. Like if you can get OG and Obi mad at you, like I'm, I'm sure that, you know, there are, there's a element of agitation with Dennis in addition to Dylan, and obviously they have history dating back to, you know, the Lakers series that just happened a couple months ago, right? But, like, there are those moments for Dylan, I think, occasionally that pop out, but in this game, razor-focused on just doing the good Dylan Brooks stuff. And that's the thing that, that gets missed, right? Obviously, when your reputation comes out like that, when you beef with LeBron, I mean, first off, he shouldn't have done that. Like, I think that's that's the biggest thing. But the other thing is just, like, that's 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 Dylan though, but it doesn't mask for the fact that he does so many other good things. Like, you know, he's a guy who puts a lot on the table, but then takes off of the table with some bad shot selection, with some extra antics. There has been no bad shot selection for Dylan Brooks at all. Um, at, that I honestly, there's like maybe two, four shots I've seen over the course of like six games for Dylan Brooks that he's played for Canada in this window between the exhibitions and now in this first game. And then defensively, he is constantly giving the most effort out there. Him and Lou just on the wing it's exactly what we've needed um defensively i mean over the that's the other part of the second half too is just i thought france couldn't get into their offense because canada's on ball pressure was so stifling like i mean like it, it the, the fact that you got Nikhil hounding the ball you got lou dort hounding the ball you got dylan brooks hounding the ball shea's getting into the act too i thought sometimes shea could be a little too cool or whatever but shea was getting into the act you know he had a couple pokeaways for, for transition layups as well, and forcing some turnovers. Also, a, a big force on the glass, too, with 13 rebounds, including 11 defensive. R.J. Barrett getting into the ball. Like, I, I don't know. Like, that that that's just really, really impressive. And it cut off the French's offense from even happening in the first place. Like, they weren't really able to use the screen and the advantages from Rudy Gobert. They weren't able to, you know, even get the passes to where they wanted to go. They, you know, France had a couple of guys coming off the bench that had a lot of good size and physicality, and they were sort of... 
um, you know, having their way in the paint. Uh, Matthias Lasort was having a really good first half. Didn't didn't hear anything from him in the second half because they couldn't even get the ball to him. They can't get to their spots. They're forced to constantly turn, you know, you know, flip backwards. Like it, it's just it was it was it was just such an impressive effort. And I think over the course of the game, it, it really wore down the French team. And for me, Canada's endurance was also really important in this game because you know Jordi Fernandez. Turn to the bench. Um, I would say all bench lineup just doesn't really make sense for Canada. Um, it puts way too much pressure on the keel, and I just don't know if the rest of the guys are solid enough to sort of sustain that. Um, but like, so he learned from that though. First quarter, he like two minutes left in the first quarter. Um, Jordy goes to an all bench lineup. That lineup loses the minutes. I think it was 14 12 for Canada in what well, two minutes left before the subs came in. And then it became 18 to 14 at the end of the first quarter. And so, okay, let, let's scratch that idea. Let's let's lean on the starters heavier. Now, of course, you don't want to always do that because it's a tournament setting. You want to burn these, you don't want to burn these guys out. But in the second half, especially when they were, you know, pushing their advantage, it was a tight eight-man rotation. It wasn't until like maybe two, three minutes left in the game until other guys started to trickle back into the game. But, you know, like the fact is, you still, if you're going to play like that, you need your starters to maintain their energy and maintain their focus. And I thought Canada did that. And I thought Jordy did a good job, too, of like making some quicker substitutions in the second half just to sort of keep the guys fresh, you know, keep the guys, you know, applying pressure. I mean, there were just a couple of plays that were, were, were just, you know, really, um, really, really inspiring to watch, man. Like, you know, you, you had a play where, you know, again, Dylan, going back to Dylan Brooks, the start of the third quarter, Dylan Brooks denying Evan Fournier. Evan Fournier had 19 points in the first half, was cooking, was smoking, was getting to the basket, was hitting threes. Just just excellent. Like, actually, French Montana was actually just excellent in the first half. And so Dylan Brooks, who battled some foul trouble in the first half, comes, you know, obviously comes in to, to the start of the, the third quarter. He's on him. And one of the first possessions, Dylan is just denying Fournier. Denying Fournier, not allowing him to use that screen. You know, Fournier's on the ball, but, you know, Brooks is cutting him off at every angle. Fournier has to give up the ball to Rudy to then work it in the dribble handoff just so that he can get some space to kind of use the screen. And Dylan Brooks fights over that as well, fights over contest. Fournier is like, he's used the whole clock at this point, probably three seconds off the clock, has to shoot a fadeaway three with Dylan Brooks contesting, and it's an air ball. And this is after a first quarter where everything was going in for Evan Fournier. And so that's what I mean by Dylan Brooks setting that tone. But Lou Dor coming in and doing that exact same thing. And yeah, I mean, just over the course of the second half, Canada just wore them out. And and honestly, I, I think for France, like they they had they I mean, they're better than this. They're absolutely better than this. But this this was this was on them, like for for a veteran team like them who, you know, have a lot of players who have competed, have lots of veteran leaders, you know, Evan Fournier, Rudy Gobert. Nana DiColo, these guys, you know, Nick Batum, these guys have played lots and lots and lots of tournaments all over the world. This is not their first rodeo by any means. Like, they've been at the highest levels in the Olympic stages. Like, they were literally just in the silver medal match, you know, in, in Tokyo, right? At the Olympics. So, um, to see them get shook like this was just out of character for them. But also, at the same time, it's a credit to the way Canada was playing. Because um, in the first half, when it was really tough, Canada battled. They stayed in close. I thought you saw a bit of a team effort there. Um, you know, Canada got off to a horrible start. They were down seven nothing right away. For you know, France was really, you know, able to get a lot of their advantages to go in. And Canada, I thought, was a little bit surprised by France's defense again, starting in that zone. And Canada wasn't going, and Shea wasn't going. Dylan Brooks gets two dunks to break Canada out of that funk to to, to bring it back to seven four. Uh, and whatever, it's just seven to four. Like it wasn't like Canada was in a huge hole, but. 
I mean, the way you start a game is very important, and you 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 don't want to give away those runs. And you know, Canada was able to find those two dunks from Dylan Brooks, find some threes from Nikhil, which in the first half just felt like just you know, uh, just such a great relief to get some of those threes to drop. You know, find Ke- Kelly Olenek who felt like he drew like 10 fouls in this game, but you know, he, he's so crafty with the way he's able to play and he knocked down a three as well. And, you know, you're just getting just little bits and pieces from the offense and, and it just bought you enough time and until Shea really got it going. And, and Shea didn't even have his first make until like midway through the, um, the second half of the first of the second quarter. Like he got, he got fouled in transition uh, in the bonus by France. And so Shea made his first two baskets just on the free throws, but then made his first bucket in transition on like a breakaway dunk. Like it's, it's, it, it didn't take until that point for Shea to even get a basket going. And yet Canada was still able to be in the lead 43 to 40 at halftime. And um, I think it's just a credit to the team, man. It's credit to the coaching staff. You know, they got the guys to, to really play hard. I thought the substitutions and, you know, everything like that was good. Again, maybe just for me, the only critique and the only smallest one is just less all bench lineups, but I get it. You got to buy your, your, your starters some time. You want to put them together as much as possible, but you know, you, you got to find a way, but um, yeah, there's just so many guys who contributed to this, this victory. And, you know, I, I think even just thinking about tactically, like for, for a guy like Jordy, we, we don't really know, like, okay, how is he going to figure it out, right? For example, France opens the game in his own with Rudy Gobert camping in the lane. And, um, you know, you're like, okay, well, this Shea's not really able to play through this right now. What are the halftime adjustments that you can make uh, to get yourself open and free? And I thought they did that in the second half. And so I, th- I think it was just a good test for everyone all around. And I don't think anyone expected this. I mean, we all thought that this is going to be a really good team Canada. We're all optimistic. Everyone's cautiously optimistic. Nobody had this kind of hubris to think Canada will come in and just smack the French team by 30 points. You know, and I think that, you know, that's that's just a credit to this group. Like they they have been battling. They've been tough. They've stayed healthy and knock on wood that they remain healthy for the tournament because they have this level of potential in them. Like shape gave you one good half and he had Shea gave you one good half and he had 27. Let me see what, what how many points did Shea have? Yeah. He had 27 points, 13 rebounds, six assists, two steals with only one turnover uh, with the plus minus of 31 in 27 minutes. And he only played one good half. Like that's the quality that you have at the top end. RJ Barrett didn't even play well today. He couldn't really get his offense. The ball wasn't really flowing in this direction either, but he just couldn't knock it down. Uh, mostly a three-point shooter in this game, one for seven from three. Um, but, you know, you didn't necessarily even need him as a secondary option for this one. But, like, that's the kind of quality you have in this team, man. Other guys can step up and give it to you. Like, Kelly with 18 points, drawing a ton of, you know, foul shots, going to the free throw line seven times. Um, also, one of the big turning points of the game was in the first half, um, Canada was in tight against France. Actually, France had gone on a uh, 12-0 run between the end of the first quarter and the start of the second quarter. Again, I think the all-bench lineup just was bleeding points for Canada, and that allowed France to get going. Um, also, just some of their players started getting real momentum. Again, was not familiar with the game, Matthias Lasort, but he had Canada's defense all, 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 all out of Lasorts. But, like, it's just... You know, they were getting going and it was like, oh, man, this is one of those games for Canada, like, you know, on the international stage for the men's side, like they just have these kind of unfortunate moments. And then, you know, first off, Melvin Edgem was the one who snapped that right. You know, the veteran reverse layup and one like, again, finding baskets just out of nowhere. You don't necessarily expect Melvin Edgem, especially at his advanced age to be making those kind of athletic plays, but he does. Right. And then. 
Kelly draws an N1, which kind of like did a rip through, fading to the side, got the call, but then still made the basket somehow. Super impressive N1. And then on the play down, Kelly's just trying to guard, um, and uh, you know, I forget who, uh, maybe, yeah, one of France's wings, um, as Rudy Gobert set an off-ball screen, and Gobert gave him the chicken wing and elbowed uh, Kelly in the head as Kelly was fighting through that screen from Gobert. And of course, classic Gobert, he's like, well, what did I do? Like, oh my God, I'm complaining. Like Gobert's in the game with one minute left in the game. And he was complaining about a call. And he was like, no, 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 that was all ball. I was like, yo, it's, 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 it's all over. Like it's, you're down 30 and you're in the game. Like have some shame. But like that, in that moment, France had all the momentum. Kelly had made the N one. It was like, okay, all right, something for for Canada. And then Gobert elbows Kelly out of nowhere. They go through a lengthy review, and obviously, you know, you're not going to get away with anything like that. Um, Gobert ends up getting assessed a flagrant one, which was the correct call. Uh, and then Kelly was able to, well, f- first off, that flagrant one stopped the possession for France and gave it to Canada. So that's a turnover. Plus, Kelly got two free throws and made them both. So that's two points as well. And Canada got possession afterwards. And I'm not sure if they scored or not, but it felt very much like that kind of ended France's momentum. It took Rudy out of the game as well. That was his second foul in the first half. Obviously, he only got five in a 40-minute game. And so it just kind of like opened everything up slightly, slightly. And, and at that time, at the end of the second quarter, it didn't feel like Canada was about to do what they did. But it just really allowed Canada to get their footing back into the game. Because, again, France was the one making that push. They were going up, you know, on 12 nothing runs. And the second half, it was just Canada going on 12 nothing runs the whole time. So, um, again, I'm just again, I'm just really proud. I'm just really happy for the group. Like, you know, uh, you know, since I started watching Canada basketball probably like, I don't know, 10 years ago or so. Um, you know, like I, I have never seen a Canadian performance from the men's side of this degree. I, I, I've just never seen it. I, I, I have it's it's uh it's so impressive i would say it's a statement game too but i don't even know necessarily if they're like you know trying to put other teams on alert or whatever like i don't think that that's even a thing necessarily but i I do think that yeah i mean out of all the games that took place today like this was the one that was so shocking we had a lot of like lopsided matchups like italy versus angola or like you know australia versus finland i guess that's a little bit closer but australia is very good um, you know, uh, I don't know, Latvia versus Lebanon. Like, you know, obviously Canada's got to beat Latvia. If they do that and they beat Lebanon, Canada will finish top in their group, which would be putting them in a great position. Um, but like, you know, like lopsided, like Germany versus Japan. Like that's not, you know, like Japan's not going to win that. You know, all due respect to Utah, but like that's not going to happen, right? Um, or like Lithuania versus Egypt. So this was the one game that was built to be, two, you know, two heavyweights going head to head and we expected something close. And, for Canada to come through in that fashion was excellent. Um, yeah, I just want to give some love to some of the supporting players as well. So I think Nikhil, I mean, I've been super impressed with him throughout the tournament. Just love the way he plays the game. Um, you know, I think his on-ball defense is great. Gets really skinny on those screens, stays in front, uh, you know, cuts guys off constantly. I, I love his defense. Not as in-your-face as Dylan Brooks and Lou Dort, but that's, I mean, like, come on, man. Those, those guys are a special breed when it comes to, like, aggressive, physical, you know, intense defense like that. Uh, uh, Nikhil is much more like muted. His personality is probably softer as well. But at the same time, he is excellent defensively. And I, I've enjoyed watching him be a, a hawk on the ball. I think coming off the bench too, you know, it's a little bit more difficult just because there's not other creators. And again, if they're going to play the all bench lineups, he's going to have to do a lot of the creating, but he's done a good job handling the ball. Um, and and mostly as a, as a spot up three-point shooter, I think that's the part where for him, First off, he looks maybe potentially to me the best pure shooter in terms of all the guys in the rotation. 
Um, other guys can shoot it. Um, and, you know, I, I, I mean, I'm sure that, um, you know, Kanda has other shooters as well. But N- Nikhil just has such a beautiful release, gets his feet down well. He even had a fadeaway kind of, or not even fadeaway, but a fading back kind of step back three, and he knocked that down as well. He's just been excellent throughout. Like, this is exactly what we've seen from the tournament play. He's been excellent off the bench. And I like that he can play with the starters as well. And I think that Jordy did a good job mixing and matching, doing both of that. Um, I got to give it up to Dwight Powell as well. I mean, that's one of my big concerns was just like, okay, how is Dwight Powell going to look in this context, especially in the first game against Rudy? Like, that's one of the toughest big men you're going to match up against. And like, like Rudy Gobert, he had eight points on four blind shooting. Um, he, he, what, he had one block. I mean, he, he had a defensive intensity in, in this game. I, 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 you know, I think the start of the game a lot was that uh, Rudy and, and his paint intimidation really caused Canada a lot of problems. But as the game went on, obviously Rudy with that, that chicken wing and all about, and I thought as the game went on, I was like, yo, Dwight Powell like is quietly giving it right back to him, you know, getting in on the offensive glass, getting in on, you know, some you know playmaking as well. Made a couple of nice passes, which is another part of his game that isn't explored too much because he never gets the ball, but he doesn't need the ball because he's very unselfish and he sacrifices for the team. I thought his screening and everything like that really got Shea going in the second half as well. And yeah, man, I, I just... Uh, you know, I appreciate the way he played this game. I think there'll be tougher matchups. I think one of the things with Gobert is that he's still Rudy Gobert. Like, it, 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 you know, we know he's not a post-up threat at all. Like, he will flub layups and bunnies and look very robotic. And, and um, you know, unless he's dunking, he's not particularly graceful on the offensive end. You know, but, you know, there will be tougher matchups in the post for sure. And, and I'm sure that, you know, he'll be under the spotlight again. But thought, you know, Dwight really played his role really well and, and, and played with a lot of physicality. And again, like he's undersized, so he's got a battle, but I mean, he was a plus 35 in this game. That's the best one on the team. Like, you know, he, he really did a great job for the team. Melvin Edgem shouts to him, you know, coming off the bench uh, with the and one reverse layup. Like, look, I, I'm, it's just one basket. It was the only basket he made all game, but that ended a 12, nothing run for France. And when you think about veteran leadership and whatever, it was an advantageous situation where, I guess the closeout was late to him in the corner. He made a drive and got, and got, and got the shot to drop. But like stuff like that, where it's just like, you just need to just keep your head in the game and, and get something back for your group. And to see the veteran come in, produce like that was excellent. Um, you know, won a bunch of tap outs in the second half as well, but you know, so did everybody. I think like Lou Dort, I mean, look, he <laughs> it felt like Lou Dort might be the only guy I've seen has too much arc on his three. Like, it's it's honestly a, to- a toss up between him and Derek Fisher for like who has the highest arcing three I've ever seen. Obviously, Derek Fisher was an excellent three point shooter, so you know yeah, it's not a critique to have a arc super high, but like yeah, I mean Lou Dort just like throws that thing up in the air and and it just it led to some very erratic threes. Like we saw some hit the backboard, we saw some air ball, we saw some like really really just barely graze the rim. Like and it was just an erratic assortment but i was so happy for lou that he finally got the last one to drop he, there was a sense of relief on his front as well but he was excellent on on, on the rebounding front excellent in terms of giving energy and, and just essentially giving you 40 minutes of that pest um you know him and dylan mostly kind of switching places although they did ultimately play together in the fourth quarter as well uh it's just it just sets the tone and i think yeah he just continues to play really well obviously got to watch the fouls but i didn't even mind like even in the four, fourth quarter when he took a couple of fouls just hounding the ball it's like it's just kind of like setting the tone. Like, I don't even care at that point. First off, Canada's up like 25, 26. Second of all, like, I, I want to see your defensive leaders set that tone. And if you got to take some fouls to do it, 
so be it. But you are not. You are just telling the French team you are not going to get two spots. You're not going to get your offense. We are going to jump every passing lane. And 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 here's the thing too. The difference between watching Jordy's defense in this group versus like watching Nick's defense um, with with in Team Canada in previous contexts is like this one didn't feel gimmicky. Canada wasn't just like doubling the ball and and trying to like aggressively force for the steal. They were just playing excellent on-ball defense, being solid in the paint, rebounding the ball really well. Like Canada, despite being the smaller team, ended up having the rebounding advantage. Did a really good job on the defensive glass too. You know, France only had three offensive rebounds or six offensive rebounds and three by Rudy Gobert, which you know you can't really do too much about. But like, like they were just much more solid, much more like trusting your guys to guard one-on-one with the help, knowing that it will be there. But it's not like we are going to preemptively help just so that we can like you know, swarm you and forcing their turnovers. It wasn't any of that. There wasn't any tricky defense from Canada. For the most part, it was like a fairly standard base defense just played really well with a lot of intensity by some really good and dedicated defenders. I enjoyed it. It was very refreshing to watch. So, um, yeah, it, it just, uh, it, it just, it was just excellent all around. I'm, I'm not sure who else I really haven't given credit to yet, but, uh, it, it just was, um, yeah, it's just more than what anyone could have expected. So I'm very thankful to have seen this performance, I, I'm, it makes me so excited to watch the rest of the tournament. Uh, unfortunately, the rest of the games for Canada in the group stage against Lebanon and Latvia are not uh, marquee games. So you're going to have to make some commitments to, to wake up early to watch those. Um, but I mean, at the same time, it's just like, look, obviously the goal right now is just one game at a time uh, and, and see how far you can go and hopefully take an Olympic berth. But I think that might just be the humble and the politeness coming from Canada or even just like, speaking from that sense of like, okay, I've been burned by this team in the past. And so I don't want to go all in on it just yet, but I don't know how you don't fall for this team after seeing what they just did. Like they have what they just did to France. Again, France is a very, very good team. France is a very good team. They finished second in the goal in, in, in the Olympics. They finished second in Eurobasket, And then they finished third in the last world cup. Right. And Canada just beat that team. Made them overwhelmed. Made them so overwhelmed. Their their head coach Vincent Collet was taking a tech. Like they got them so shook from top to bottom, from Rudy Gobert getting a flagrant to you know Evan Fournier can't get their shots off to their head coach who's sixty plus, who former player on the team. You know like he's shook and taking techs. Everybody is not getting on the offensive glass. You know like to get that team shook to that display. Like it's just uh, wow. Just, just wow! Um, what, 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 what a group! And uh, hopefully, we can see this keep going um, for Canada. Hopefully, there are no injuries, but uh, excellent. I, I think I'll check back in because I'm, I'm going on a trip um, for the weekend, and I'll be back next Tuesday. So uh, I won't have reaction podcasts to the other two group play games, but I will have one to check back in uh, on how the tournament is going next Wednesday. Um, Canada will have done their group at that point. Honestly, if they take care of business. They should finish 3-0. This win against France was huge. And also beating by France by this huge margin was also big because that's one of the tiebreakers as well. I mean, I don't think it maybe even comes down to that. But still, even the point differential really does matter as well. So just just an excellent game all around uh, for Team Canada. So your three stars from uh, tonight's performance. First star, I mean, it's got to be Shea. Like, the fact that Shea figured it out um, against, again, one of the toughest defenses that you will see in this tournament, I, I think was just so impressive. Obviously, France threw their junk defense at him. Not even junk defense, just a very clever defense, right? You know, I thought the guys were really doing a good job, you know, in holding Shea, and I was really worried. I was like, if Shea can't get this going, then it's going to be a really close game. Second half, Shea not only gets it going, but he busts it wide open. And it was like, wow, that that was just 
man, 27 points, 13 rebounds, six assists uh, in 27 minutes. You know, honestly, the nine of 19 is like just indicative of the fact that he got out to a slow start, but started getting everything going, knocked down the three as well. Obviously, that's not his game. The one-on-one game is there. And for Shea, it's just about getting to his spots, right? Can he get into the mid-range? Can he get into that, like, free throw line extended? And from that point onwards, he has such a crafty... Like, even when you watch the... I think with Shea, sometimes when you watch him play in real time, especially on the broadcast angle, you're like, okay, um, you know, he's drawn another foul here or he's, he's gone to his position. And then when you show the replay... Of all the little moves of this, every step is calculated. He's almost like playing Twister out there. He'll take, you know, plant his foot here, but then he'll like lunge and horizontally to go with the other foot. And then he'll take like, he'll like step through and like, it's just, he's like zigzagging all the time. It's always sort of like offbeat, but it's like, he just gets to his spots and the defenders always forced to foul him. That's also a big part of his game, drawing the foul shots. Got nine free throws today, made eight of them. Excellent, excellent performance from Shea. And again, like if he can just replicate what he did in the second half on a more consistent basis over the course of the game, like he is one of the most unstoppable players in the world. And and he and he just showed that again today. So all kudos to Shea. And I, I like the fact that he, he gets involved defensively, too. Like I, I want him to get a little bit stronger. There's, there was a lazy closeout at one point, um, you know, whatever. But like, man, like he has the ability to to impact the game on that front as well. The rebounding, the the steals as well. So. All credit to Shea, man. He he was excellent today. He's your first star. Second star, I'm going to give that to Dylan Brooks. Uh, what? Five of six. First off, I'm not even worried about the, the percentage. I'm I'm looking at the fact that he only took six shots. For for Dylan Brooks, like from when you see all the things in, in, in the NBA in terms of the shot selection and him forcing it and him sort of being stubborn and fighting this uphill battle, I think whether that's the coaching staff, whether that's his teammates, whether the fact that it's a national team context, but like... Dylan Brooks is on his best behavior, and he's just giving you all the good stuff from Dylan Brooks. The defense, the hustle, the intensity, the two dunks to open up the game when Canada was stuck on zero. Um, you know, the the the, the defense, the, the rebounding, like just all of it was excellent from Dylan Brooks. I was so happy with his performance. 12 points, but also really did, did a great job defensively, especially in the second half against Fournier. Uh, who was the big problem for Canada in the first half. So Dylan Brooks, just can, just keep it up, man. Just keep it up. Like, you know, those moments will come and the praise will always come when you play winning basketball like this. And Dylan Brooks is a guy who has played winning basketball. Like, even, like, if you've been listening to this program, obviously we've been talking about, you know, the playoffs and all that kind of stuff, even when the Raptors got eliminated. And even when Dylan was struggling in, in the Lakers series, and of course there were times where you can really critique him on all that kind of stuff. But I thought that, you know what, he was getting a little bit too much critique, man. Like, he... What, say whatever you want like for he was a starter on a winning program for the last two years you know and yeah he, he went a little too far with it you know you know you could say against again some of the extras just didn't need to be there with the antics none of that has carried over team canada he's taking the good shots he's taking the right shots he's committing every effort on defense and he's not getting into fights like you can't ask for anything else from dylan brooks because the rest of the stuff he gives you is actually really really good so really happy for dylan and then your third star um, I'll give it to Kelly. Uh, Kelly, I think, was in contention for second star as well. But 18 points was most of the offense for Canada in the first half. Um, the, the drawing the fouls, the, you know, just the knocking down the threes. You know, he has this, like, really unique game in the FIBA setting that I think really allows him to put it all together, especially for Team Canada. doesn't necessarily have playmakers in the front court. Kelly really does a great job with that. I, I've said this in, the, in a pod that I recorded yesterday that's going to drop tomorrow. That's, like, essentially another banter pod. But, like, Kelly reminds me a little bit for Canada in this role, kind of like a Boris Diaw type, like that that 
crafty front court player can handle can shoot it a little bit but i think there's the because he has the whole combination you don't know what necessarily to expect that's one of the things with with, with uh, boris that i really liked was just you didn't really know what he was going to do and um yeah kelly kind of put on a boris dia impersonation against france which uh which is, you know, kind of kind of sweet, actually. So he was excellent, uh, 18 points in the first uh, overall and just was was really great in the first half. Uh, your Gerald Henderson Award winner, that's going to go to Matthias Lasort. Um, again, I just didn't know who he was, but he was just getting in and, and, you know, getting all sorts of opportunities in the paint. It's either him or Nando DiColo. Shout out to Nando DiColo, man. What a blast from the past, man. He, he, he really he really left, like, the Raptors in 2014 i think i think the raptors maybe still retain his rights um maybe just kind of as like a bookkeeping thing because obviously they're not going to bring him back but like yeah shasana and nicolo he's still going but yeah i mean matthias lasort was excellent uh, if i had to give a patrick patterson award that's going to rudy gobert he was horrible in this game either him or or, or nick batum i mean gobert i have high expectations for but i just thought after he elbowed kelly he just completely disappeared um and then Nick Batum just did nothing the whole game, which was really odd to me. I mean, he looked like Warriors Andre Godala this past year. Like, it was like on that level of like, okay, I know you're really good. I know you're a really good player once upon a time, but you're not doing anything right now. And I'm not really seeing anything from you. So, yeah, good game for Canada, man. Good game for Canada. Um, keep the focus. Keep the intensity. Um, stay out of injuries. And uh, let's see how far we can take this thing. So, thanks everyone for listening. Continue to rate, review, subscribe. What's I mentioned, there's going to be another podcast dropping over the weekend look out for that it'll be really really long to hold you through until i'm back uh, next week but uh for now team canada has won and uh yeah enjoy the weekend